Thanks to you, our listeners, KRBN Internet News Talk Radio is growing and is now available on more stations such as Facebook Video, Player.fm, iTunes, Verbal, and now on Amazon Audible. KRBN Internet News Talk Radio currently does not receive any funding to bring you these programs. However, we do ask that you hit that like button and tell your friends to help this station grow. And thank you again for your support. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bosevich. And now, here's Jay. afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show and I'm your host West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira Oregon where it's a comfortable temperature outside and we you know it was one of those days where the marine layer kept the temps down and and, and I'm happy about that because you know that helps with the fire weather and firefighting and all that good stuff. But, you know, speaking of fires, we're going to talk fireworks and fireworks bans, et cetera, here today on the Bose Nose Show. In fact, bans and, 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 and uh, government mandates uh, are going to be a major portion of, this top, of the topics because we're going to talk about fireworks. We're going to talk about styrofoam. We're going to talk about minimum wage, prevailing wage. Um, we're going to talk about vaccines a little bit, too. So we'll cover a lot of territory. We'll even talk about water reservoirs here on the Bose Nose Show today. But, you know, we can talk about anything you want to talk about at all here on the Bose Nose Show because this is a call-in show, and we love it when folks call in and take us on a different topic and down a different road because we want to talk about what's important to you. So give us a call, 646-721-9887. And don't forget to press one so that Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, knows you want to get in on the show and you're not just calling to listen. So, again, that's 646-721-9887. Just press one so we know you want to get in on the show. Um, no guests this week. Solid hour where you can call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about here on the Bose Nose Show. It's your opportunity, you know, if you're a Lane County resident, to talk directly to a Lane County commissioner and ask whatever question you want to ask. Or if you're living outside of Lane County, you just want to have a conversation about one of these topics that we've thrown out there or some other topic uh, of general interest, we can talk about that. Because we we do it from very local stuff all the way to national, international stuff we talk about here on the Bose Nose Show. So fireworks have been making a lot of, you know, getting a lot of comments on, on, on the Internet by email uh, from folks wanting us to ban fireworks. Uh, One of our commissioners brought up the idea of doing that. We are going to have um, a proposed ordinance come before the board, which means it's got to go through a first reading and then a second reading and public hearing two weeks later. So there will be a public hearing about it. And we're hearing mostly from the folks that just want to get rid of fireworks, period. They don't, you know, not, you know, what, they, they like the idea that it, it's a fire safety issue, but they want to, you know, half of them say, and we should do it year round. You know, we shouldn't allow any fireworks at all. So, 
If you're one of those folks that likes fireworks, you might want to think about providing some testimony to the Board of Commissioners because we're really only hearing one side right now. I think I've had one email against banning fireworks in Lane County. But one of the things that people may not understand, and, and it was kind of interesting because I've had people write me, and I can know by the address they, they say they're writing from, um, where they live in Lane County, most of these people already live in a place where fireworks are currently banned. And and I posted this uh, on my uh, Jay Bozovich West Lane Commissioner Facebook page and a couple other places, but um, the Oregon Department of Forestry has jurisdiction over wildfire prevention and fighting in the state of Oregon. And they do it for not only state forest, and, and, but they also do it for private forest. And the private forest pays for that through assessments. A lot of people really aren't aware they're actually paying for that fire patrol and, and that fire protection. If you look at your property tax bill, and you live outside of, a, of an incorporated city, if you look at your property tax bill and, and toward the, the itemized portion of your property tax bill, down towards the bottom there might be two charges for fire patrol. One says fire patrol emergency and one says fire patrol, you know, west or something like that. And it's usually about 40-some dollars and $18 adds up to about 68 bucks. Every year you're paying into that fund that protects your property from wildfire. If you're paying into that, you are under the jurisdiction of the Oregon Department of Forestry when it comes to fire prevention. The moment they declare fire season is in effect, which they don't, it's not a set day of the year. It depends on how dry, hot, and, the, and what the weather is predicted to be. This year was one of the earliest declarations of fire season they've ever had, June 16th. Once they declare fire season, you cannot use fireworks within those fire protection districts. So on your property tax, it's, you've got those fire patrol charges. You shouldn't even be using a sparkler on your property. I don't care if it's on your paved driveway or whatever, it's illegal. It's already banned. And if you look at the map of Lane County that I put up on my Facebook page, the green shaded areas are the two ODF fire districts that cover Lane County. There's the West Lane District that, that I'm in here in Elmira and goes all the way out to the coast, basically starts at Territorial Highway and goes all the way to the coast, wraps around to the south some, actually touches the Cascade South District, so there's actually no gap between the two you know, when you swing around to Lorraine and, and into Cottage Grove. Although the city of Cottage Grove isn't part of it, if you're inside city limits, this is, doesn't count you in. But if you're outside city limits, you're probably in one of those fire protections. There's a very little narrow wedge that's not under the jurisdiction of ODF, and that's mostly in the Willamette Valley, mostly north of Eugene, you know, in the areas outside of Junction City and Coburg on some of that flat farmland is not ODF protected. So almost the entire county right now is already under a fireworks use ban. 
doesn't say you can't sell fireworks, doesn't say you can't manufacture fireworks, but you cannot use fireworks. And, and the other thing I see in some of these emails is I'm hearing all sorts of M80s and seeing skyrocketing, you know, stuff going up in the air. That stuff's already illegal too in the entire state. Exploding and flying fireworks have been illegal in the state of Oregon for a long time. So one of the things about fireworks bans is, you know what, they're not terribly effective because they're nearly impossible to enforce. By the time somebody sets something off that's illegal and, and you can't, you know, if it's a skyrocket, you can't really always tell which house it came from. If it's a boom, sometimes you can't really tell where the, the boom came from. By the time homeowner calls, 911 reports the illegal firework, if there's somebody able to respond, and there's not 10 other calls going on, which we actually had a murder in rural Lane County on the 4th of July, which sucked up a lot of our sheriff's resources that day. Um, if there's not something else like that going on, and you actually get somebody to respond, it may be 10, 15 minutes later, and are you really going to be able to figure out who actually set off something illegal and, and all that? And, and are you able to enforce that? It's nearly impossible to enforce fireworks bans. But I do get the idea of trying to get people to pay attention to this because that horrible fire up in the Columbia River Gorge was started by fireworks a couple of years back. A couple of kids playing with fireworks. Next thing you know, half the Columbia River Gorge is burning down. You know, it's not like there hasn't been large wildfires started by fireworks. There have been small ones. In fact, even the commercial people, with all the precautions they take, have started fires this year in Cresswell. The commercially permitted display there. They did water areas down, but for, they had a dud fireworks start a small grass brush fire there on the hill in Cresswell where they were setting them off. So even those guys can have a problem every once in a while. Not as often as Joe Homeowner seems to have problems with starting fires with fireworks. Um, but, uh, you know, so there is, there is this issue of, you know, fireworks are a source of ignition. Because, you know, there's other things that get banned during fire season. You're not allowed to have outdoor burning, period. You know, your brush piles, your, your you know, you just, you just can't do it. It's, it's a no-no during fire season if you're in those ODF areas. Get caught outdoor burning, or if you're outdoor burning fireworks or other prohibited activities cause a fire, you can actually be liable for the cost of putting that fire out. And small fires, you know, are pretty damn expensive. You can imagine what happens if it grows into something, you know, extraordinary. So it's a serious issue. So I take the idea of banning fireworks as a serious discussion to have as a board because maybe it is worthwhile getting us 100% coverage in Lane County in the non-urban areas out where it's not incorporated cities. 
so that we're consistent at least with the, when fire season's declared, you're not supposed to be using fireworks. Now, the one thing people are trying to get us to do because they, you know, in particular, there's a group of neighbors uh, of people in Springfield that haven't been able to convince their city council to ban fireworks is they want us to have our ban operate inside city limits. And I just can't quite go there. Only sometimes when the county should take jurisdiction inside city limits, one of which is in a health issue because cities are actually not even allowed to operate as boards of health. That particular power has been designated to the counties by the state Cities are actually prohibited from having a Board of Health. It's why all of the restaurant inspections, even inside city limits, are done by Lane County. It's why all the swimming pool inspections are done by Lane County. So if it was a health issue, yes, I would, you know, I would be okay with having a ban apply across the entire county, including inside cities. But this isn't necessarily a health issue. It's a fire issue which is something cities have the power to control. Under ORS, they're allowed to ban fireworks, just like the county is. So why would we have a ban, county ban reach inside city limits? When there's an elected body there, the citizens can lobby to, to make law to apply within their city limits. So that's kind of that devil in the details. I, I, as I promote, the, promote this show, you know, fireworks bans, you know, there's devil in the details somewhat. One is understanding that most of the counties already got a ban in place. Second is understanding cities have the power to ban this inside their city limits. And they can ban not only the use of fireworks, they can ban the sale. City of Eugene's, you know, greatly limited the days that the sale of fireworks is allowed. They can also even ban the manufacturer. I'm not advocating either sales or manufacturing bans. One of the issues I have is fire season is something that is determined based on weather annually, and it's determined by you know forestry and wildfire, wildland fire professionals in in you know talking to meteorologists and and a, and a you know, the folks at ODF don't lightly say fire season begins now because they understand once they declare fire season, it creates a lot of precautions that have to be taken for people operating in wildlands and, and out in the woods. Um, and as they go through declaring, you know, low, medium, high, and extreme fire risk, that stops a lot of activities, including recreational activities. So they don't do it lightly. They don't do it the same day every year because it's just something that they should do. They do it based on the weather and, and conditions and fuel conditions, humidity, all sorts of things come into play, which means if you are, say, a nonprofit that sells fireworks annually as one of your major fundraisers, how would you be able to predict if fire season was going to impact your sales this year and whether you make that huge order and that upfront cost 
to get those fireworks for your annual sales. Not, not a very easy thing to predict. So I, I, you know, yes, it's a little bit strange to still allow sales when you can't use it, but you know, people can store that stuff if they want to um, and wait until New Year's Eve to utilize it or some other celebration. But, you know, I just, you know, I'm not quite ready to go into the, you know, that detail, that devil in the details space, sales are banned too. Because, you know, fire season could be declared, you know, we could be going along great with a fair amount of rain and sudden have a sudden heat dome come sit over the Northwest. Hmm, sounds familiar somewhat. Had some good rains in June, sudden heat dome. And next thing you know, we're in fire season. Um, yeah, it's just, it's very unpredictable. And it could happen on July 2nd. And suddenly you have to close your tents down. You know, if you're Crossfire Ministries or whoever it is that sells, you know, all those fireworks and does a lot of good work in the community with the, with the proceeds, um, you know, that, that doesn't tie together very well for me. And I'm particularly the manufacturer issue, um, particularly in Lane County where, you know, Tannerite and a few other things that could be qualified as fireworks are manufactured. Um, we probably would run into some issues with um, taking suits and a few other things if we ban manufacturers. So I'm not willing to go there either because one, if you're manufacturing fireworks or anything that way, you're already under a lot of alcohol, tobacco, and firearms regulations. You're already under the state fire marshal's regulations, you know, for that hazardous manufacturing process. So you, you're probably one of the safest places for those folk, that, that stuff to be anyway. All the required fire suppression and, and, and explosion protection that has to go into those facilities um, and the inventory control and everything else that goes with it, you guys are fine. I'm not going to try and control you. That's another detail. It would be a devil if we were to step into. So I'm probably good outside city limits, countywide, fireworks ban when fire season's declared. Don't ask me to reach inside cities and circumvent a local city council because I believe in government on the most local level possible. One of my principles of governing that I've always made clear to people. So I am not going to usurp the authority of another local, of a more local government. City council is a lot more local to those folks than the county commission is. Brings me to other things that government does that maybe might usurp people's rights, et cetera, which is another principle of mine. I will always err on the side of individual rights and liberty and not taking away somebody's individual rights over a philosophical issue or trying to fix something 
as, as some of my fellow commissioners want to do. Which brings me to things like styrofoam, minimum wage, and prevailing wage. But I'm going to pause a minute after all that fireworks stuff, because just in case somebody wants to talk about fireworks before we leave that subject, the number is 646-721-9887. Just press 1 so we know you want to get on the air. And we can have a conversation here on the Bose Nose Show. If you differ from my opinions about fireworks, um, you know, you want to promote a, an all-out ban, give us a call. But I'm going to move on because yesterday's board meeting was one of those meetings sometimes where I just kind of have to hold my head in my hands. One of the things our board of commissioners is moving forward with is to set up a minimum $15 an hour wage for any Lane County employee. Now, mind you, we hire temp employees in the summertime for some pretty menial work um, that used to go to high school kids and maybe college kids. So we did have some jobs that were actually less than $15 an hour. Of course, recently in the current job market, we had to, we had to approve moving some of these temp jobs up to $15 just to get people to apply for them. So some, some of this is just kind of moot because the, the labor market's moving past 15 anyway for certain certain jobs. But, you know, it, it always amazes me the reasoning there, that folks want to, because we want to make sure people can have a living wage. And, and there's been studies showing that it takes at least $17 an hour to rent an apartment in Lane County. Why is that? Well, maybe the taxes are too damn high because we're paying county employees a lot. There's no association between things and inflation and all that. Yeah, you know, I couldn't afford an apartment on minimum wage when I was in college and first coming out of college. One of the reasons why you have roommates. You know, and I remember at some point having multiple roommates to afford apartments. You know, it, it, that's, you know, sometimes you just can't make it on a single salary of, of, of at, your, at your current skill level. But one of the things that amazes me is, is the, the disconnect to the idea that when you set a minimum wage, you set the minimum value of somebody's labor that they will be employable. So at $15 an hour, although this doesn't quite apply to government because, you know, we can, we can overpay for something and, and the taxpayers just pay it, bear the burden, not, not the fact that our bottom line goes to the red and we go out of business. But if you're a business, you can't pay somebody whose skill set is only giving you $12 an hour in value, $15 an hour for very long. So that $12 an hour skill set person, teenager, no job experience, hasn't shown that they can, you know, show up every day, work full eight hours, ignore their phone, all the good stuff that comes with, you know, just getting bare minimum skills and everything else. Um, that person becomes unemployable. 
when you when you raise the minimum wage to a certain level. And what people don't understand is those are the those minimum wage jobs for teenagers and for lower skilled people are building block jobs. You don't stay at minimum wage forever. You learn skills usually in those jobs. Demonstrate skills. Demonstrate you can show up to work on, you know, when you're scheduled to show up. Stay your full work shift. Get enough, you know, get your work done to where you either get a raise at your work or if you're not given, given a raise at that particular job, you can go somewhere else and say, look, see, I've been working here for a year now and I'm ready to, to do something else and I'm going to ask for more than minimum wage when you hire me. But if you can't get that first job because they've artificially established a wage through government fiat that is higher than the value of your labor, you never get on that bottom rung of the ladder. That concept seems to go over people's heads. The other concept that goes over people's heads is in general, these wages are, are for adults. We can talk about minors in a separate conversation, but they're setting minimum wage for adults. Now, last time I checked, a lot of these people that argue for $15 minimum wages also argue that adults can make all sorts of choices for themselves because they're consenting adults and should have the freedom to do so. Pick what gender they want to identify with, which bathroom they want to go into, um, you know, all sorts of, of issues they think that people should be allowed to do. That if they want to, you know, camp in a park, they should have the right to do that because they're an adult. They can make that decision. You know, there's just a thousand things these people would, would be aghast if you took away those person's right as a consenting adult to exercise their individual freedoms. What happened to the individual freedom as a consenting adult to negotiate what the value of your labor is? Why am I unable to go in and, and negotiate with another, you know, with another consenting adult person hiring me how much to trade for my time. You know, that's just, <laughs> Robin's waving the wage compression sign at me. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Let's just think about that whole stepping on the idea that you can't, as a consenting adult, establish the value of your labor and, and enter into a contractual agreement with somebody for payment for your time and your knowledge and your skills. Imagine if the government tried to step in and set, say, minimum requirements, you know, for marriage or something like that. Some other contract consenting adults enter into. I think people would be pretty upset. Why is it okay to step into this economic exchange between consenting adults. 
then it, you know the the whole idea of minimum wage increases because it will make things livable completely ignores multiple other factors. It ignores the fact that it raises the cost of everything else. If I'm the apartment owner that used to pay a lawn service that was paying their employees, you know, what used to be pretty close to minimum wage down around $12 an hour is now having to pay them $15 an hour. Do you think the lawn service is still charging me the same amount for the, to mow that apartment complex? Do you think maybe the rents for those apartments might have to go up to pay for that additional cost of the lawn service? Let alone the, the wage compression that happens with the person that's actually managing the apartment complex. Because you know he's not going to want to get paid the same amount as the guy sitting on the riding lawnmower. He's going to want to be paid more. So the wage compression issue is you raise minimum wage, everybody else is going to start needing higher wages to have some separation to recognize the difference in skill sets. It's inflationary, and it, it, it doesn't gain the benefit. When the market sets the wage and consenting adults agree freely to a contract to exchange something of value, for time and skill is much better because the market will set wages based on demand and it'll set it at a point that's in balance usually. You enter the government and start moving market things around, it's bad. Kind of like when the government starts printing money. And if you wonder why wages are inflating right now, ah, the government got involved in the market because it started paying people not to work. Decrease the supply of workers. What happens when the supply of something goes down? The cost and the price goes up. You know, especially when the demand goes up because the demand for workers has gone up. But the supply hasn't increased with the demand. So what happens? Price goes up, wages. So we, you know, why we're doing this $15 an hour minimum wage thing at Lane County? So that my fellow progressive commissioners can, you know, wave their flag and show how righteous they are. You know, it, it, it's all about virtue signaling. Look how virtuous we are. Let me ignore economics. Let me ignore personal freedoms. We're going to just, you know, ignore that portion of the Constitution that says that we want to protect the blessings of liberty. You know, what part of, of individual rights and liberty is, you know, why does the government have to enter into that, that relationship between adults? Now, the government should be there to supply a court system for if one of those people violates that contract, whether it's implied or, or in writing, between the person employing somebody and the, and the employee, you know, like the employer doesn't pay what he said he was going to pay, there should be a court system to resolve that dispute. That's a major function of government is a court system to resolve contractual disputes between consenting adults. 
Now, where things where government can enter into things is when you're talking about relationships with non-consensual people, minors that are considered to be old enough to give consent, knowing consent to you know their labor and all that stuff. It's one of the reasons why there's child labor laws. Minors can't consent to certain sexual acts because they don't have the ability to make you know make that decision well. That's why there's you know, laws against adults having sex with minors. <laughs> but we would be pretty aghast if we started trying to to put back in place some of the sexual laws that were there, you know, in the past that actually controlled behavior between consenting adults. Why is it okay when it comes to, to economic and labor contracts? But yeah, so and, and the whole idea of prevailing wage on on contracting for government jobs came up today in our Homes for Good board meeting. Same arguments. Oh, it's all about the workers and treating workers fair. Well, you know what? If they adopt that. Some, some form of this community benefits agreement nonsense into the homes for good contracting process, which I'm not sure they can legally because we're actually exempted under state law because it's actually a federal HUD issue. Um, if we're exempted, I mean, if, if we have to do this community benefit stuff, it's going to increase the cost of building affordable housing in Lane County which means we'll build less of it, which just adds to the problem those folks supposedly were trying to help with the prevailing wage that can't find affordable housing because we're building less of it because we're making artificially making it cost more. And then the board's gonna move ahead with this idea of an expanded polystyrene ban or better known as styrofoam just because some activists asked us to. And it's one of those things where we're going to control consumer choice rather than let people make a decision based on information. If I ever have a choice between styrofoam and something non-styrofoam, I take the non-styrofoam because I understand that there's a possibility of toxic chemicals leaching from styrofoam. Particularly hot heating stuff up in styrofoam is really a bad, bad thing to do. Transfer it into a glass dish, whatever you need to do if you're going to reheat something to microwave. Um, but a, a total ban ignores the fact that there's sometimes it's not such a bad thing to utilize. And it really should be the consumer that drives that. One only has to go into the grocery store to see that it didn't take a mandate to have organic vegetables available in the produce section, to suddenly have organic produce sections all over the, the country. You can't go in a grocery store. Even Ray's Food Market here in Vanita has organic vegetables in their produce section. Once upon a time, that was pretty unknown. 1990, you know, it was, you know, there were just a few specialty stores that, that carried organic, you know. Now everybody does. Why? Because the consumers started buying it and the demand was there for it. 
think of BPA, and I don't know if people remember this, but bifistanol A, which was a additive to plastic to make it harder, was something common in water bottles that were that were being sold because that made them kind of, you know, pretty durable. Well, found out that that was not such a good thing for people, or had was a possible car- carcinogen, not not a, not been fully tied. So people started demanding products that didn't have BPA in it, and it got to be a thing. There were stickers on you know water bottles in REI for hiking that said no BPA. Now you can't find anything with BPA in it, hardly at all. You'd, you'd be hard pressed. Why? Because Consumers didn't want it. But we're going to jump in, and there's not a single consumer product ban that, that Lane County's ever done. And we're going to start banning styrofoam food containers, I think, in Lane County. Can't enforce a fireworks ban. How are we going to enforce a styrofoam ban? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, you know. You can make all the arguments about how it's bad for the environment, bad for your health, all that stuff. It's still the question is, should it be done by government or should it be done through education and changing in consumer habit? Which brings me to a whole different topic. Back to COVID. We haven't talked about COVID for eh, maybe three weeks <laughs> on the Bose No Show. Uh, but, you know, it's getting back in the news again. Why the, the Delta variant, which is a serious variant. It's it's highly contagious. One only has to look at what's happening in the country of India, what's happening now in the UK, what's happening in, in, in Japan, to understand, you know, this is a new, very, very contagious variant of COVID-19. Fortunately, the vaccines protect pretty well against it which is a good thing, which is what we need to have people understand. We need to have people understand the safety and efficacy of the vaccines. We don't need to buy government fiat, try and force people into getting one. We should be able to give out enough good information. There's enough good information out there. I'm vaccinated. My wife's vaccinated. I'm urging folks to get vaccinated because I feel it's safe and effective far safer than, than getting the dang disease, I'll tell you that much. You know, speaking of Crossfire Ministries, you know, just somebody, just ask Adam about his experience, anyone that knows him, with getting COVID. Three months in the hospital. And if you've ever listened to him be interviewed on the radio recently, his voice is almost gone because he's had so much damage to his respiratory system from COVID. He didn't die, but I guarantee you the bills are probably going to follow him around for a long time, and the impacts of this may shorten his life in the long run. Um, so it's, it's a serious disease. But one of the things I want to make really clear, because something one of our spokespeople said was sort of taken out of context and put together in the wrong way. Lane County is not going to go door to door and ask people to get vaccinated. You know, we're not going to go around knocking on doors like the Fuller Brush Man 
and go, would you like a vaccine today, especially with the assistance of National Guard personnel in uniform? Let me kill that rumor right now. No door-to-door vaccinations with National Guard troops in Lane County. Zero. None. What got misconstrued was a conversation about the fact that we're trying to get the vaccine to to where people are. And there are shut-ins in Lane County where we need to actually go to their homes to deliver vaccine. It's one of the reasons why there's Meals on Wheels here in Lane County and Senior Meals on Wheels and all that stuff. Some people can't get to where the vaccine is. It's safer for us to bring the vaccine to them in some ways. And in order to have enough people to do that kind of work, we might utilize National Guard folks that have been trained to give vaccines, which they helped us in our drive-in clinics at the fairgrounds in Autzen Stadium this year. They're not going to be going door-to-door knocking on people's doors. But if you call Lane County and you have issues with transportation or your ability to get you know, immunocompromised, whatever, and feel safer having somebody come to your home, we want to be able to answer those calls and have the resources to do so. Now, mind you, now that fire season's gone the way it's gone, I don't know if we're going to be able to get National Guard help. But in that conversation, the press flipped things around a little bit and made it sound like we were going to recruit the National Guard to go door to door to offer people vaccines. No, not happening. I want to clarify that right now. If it was, I would be all over this. I would I would be screaming and yelling in the press that I didn't agree with it. I'd be asking for my county administrator to step down. This is not something I would do. You do not have people go door to door asking people to be vaccinated because it's coercive. And you don't coerce people into making healthcare decisions. You educate them and allow them to make the decisions for themselves. Kind of like accepting what wage you want to take for your labor. It's all back to that individual rights and liberty thing. Styrofoam, same thing. People can make their own decisions if you give them good information. Instead of trying to ask the county to, to impose government on a, a relationship between a business and a customer, educate the customers. Educate the businesses. I imagine there are businesses that don't understand polystyrene and, and the issues around it. But we do need to educate people. And and just backing up a little bit, you know, as I encourage people to get vaccinated, I take a lot of heat for that, and particularly from folks that that are on my side of the aisle that are liberty-oriented people, because they hear a lot of bad information about the vaccine, to be honest. Because typical of, of, of news media, if it bleeds, it leads sort of stuff. You get one or a couple deaths or some some serious side effect that is tangentially tied to possibly a vaccine, hasn't been proven yet, that news story leads. Not the fact that 300 and 
nearly 40, nearly 40 million, I think it's 338 million right now, doses have been administered in the United States. And those small number of incidents that make the news are a tiny, tiny fraction of the doses given. And at, usually at the time they're being, these things are being reported, there hasn't been enough investigation to know that it was actually a cause and effect between the vaccine and whatever happened. Because when you've given out 338 million doses, well, if you take you know, that many people in the U.S., and just say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a penny, you know, and I'm gonna give out 338 million pennies across the U.S. Somebody is gonna die shortly after getting that penny, or have some serious health issue shortly after getting that penny. Did the penny cause the health issue or the death? Correlation is not always causation. Wait for the data to come back. Even the, 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 the worst numbers about the vaccine and possible deaths, which is the, pot, the, the greatest number of deaths tracked so far, is about 6,000 total out of the 338 million doses. And that 6,000 is possible tied to the vaccine, not definitive. It's such a tiny fraction. Whereas when you talk about the actual COVID disease and the number of cases versus the number of hospitalizations and deaths, there's no comparison in the risk. There hasn't been 338 million cases of COVID in this country. There's only been about 34 million. Yet we're, you know, hundreds of thousands of deaths It's about a one in 150 chance you will die if you get COVID-19. Six thousand and three hundred thirty-eight million. The lottery odds are almost about like that. Get some good information. Make some decisions around that. There are certain conditions that might make it so you don't want to get a vaccine. There are certain people that have that are highly allergic to multiple things that, that seem to have more of a reaction, more of an anaphylaxis than anything. If you know, one of the reasons why they make you sit there for 15 to 20 minutes is to watch for that anaphylactic reaction. Of course, because they make you sit there, they've got the right equipment to deal with it usually, and it's usually not a deadly reaction. Um, it's usually just a matter of, you know, getting some getting some epinephrine and um, dealing with that and dealing with maybe not feeling well for a week or so. But you, it's usually not a deadly issue. But even, you know, there, there are certain people that may need to avoid it. Consult a physician. Talk to your physician about it. You know, I just, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, as we're seeing this Delta variant, increased cases, and we're seeing an increased cases in here in Lane County, we're seeing it in Oregon, we're seeing it across the country. They are going back up, which we don't want to encourage Governor Karen to, artif- to, to, to artificially shut down businesses that have no relationship to the spread of the disease. 
But the more people that are vaccinated, the less chance of that surge happening. 95% of the people contracting COVID now are unvaccinated. Yes, some people that are vaccinated still contract, you know, they get breakthrough cases, tend to be very minor. Tend to not have severe cases. So if you do, you know, once you're vaccinated, your chances of getting COVID are greatly reduced. And if you do get it, it's the survivability goes way, way, way up. So uh, to me, the decision about vaccination is a no-brainer. I got my vaccine. Yes, it hasn't gone through the full FDA process because the, the full FDA process takes five years. That was the whole issue around Operation Warp Speed. And it shouldn't be a Republican-Democrat sort of thing. I mean, it was our Republican president that set Operation Warp Speed into motion. And it's the reason why we have vaccines available at all right now. It should be an individual health decision. Talk to your doctor about it. Decide whether, you know, if you have any pre-existing conditions that might make you more at risk or not about getting the vaccine. But, you know, if you're, if you're healthy, don't have those conditions, talk to your doctor, make an educated decision. But I would encourage some of those folks that are teetering on whether or not or just kind of sitting back and wait and see, now's the time. There's, it's available. It's free. It's easy to find. You know, pharmacies have it. Our health department can steer you to where you can get, get a vaccine. Just about every doctor's office has got it available. Um, so go forth and be vaccinated. Let's put this thing to bed. You know, I, I, we don't need to give some of our overreactive government folks an opportunity to exercise more power to stomp on our individual liberties. Seems to be a theme around this show. So before I finish the show, one more time with the number, 646-721-9887. Don't forget to press one so we know you want to get it on the show. I want to talk real quick about another controversy locally, which shouldn't be a controversy. EWEB wants to build some new reservoirs to replace some very old reservoirs in their water system. Now, I am super familiar with all this because I did master planning and pre-engineering around some of this when I worked for eWeb as an engineer. In fact, one of the things I encouraged eWeb to do way back in 1999, after some of the issues we ran into with the College Hill Reservoir when we started limiting people's access to the roof of it, was to post signage around the future reservoir site, stating it was a future reservoir site so people wouldn't get used to the idea it was always going to be woods. And those signs have been there for 20 years. On and off, of course, you know, sign, you know having a sign stay up in Eugene is a whole different story. Um, but that 
piece of property was bought with the idea it was going to be a large reservoir site. The current College Hill Reservoir site, which is the largest reservoir storage facility in what they call the base level, which feeds most of the valley floor, and, and probably 85% of the residents of Eugene, um, is a dinosaur. It was built in the 30s. It doesn't meet seismic standards. It leaks. It doesn't do well as far as water age and mixing and some other issues as a more modern reservoir would. We've tried to retrofit some of that in there. In fact, I engineered some of those projects and ran the construction projects. I've been inside that reservoir multiple times. We had it drained down doing inspections when we were doing the actual construction work. We did enough strengthening to keep it from actually failing and wiping out the houses that are downhill of the reservoir. That portion of the reservoir has been strengthened from outside underneath the, the walls have been strengthened. But the columns that support the roof would take millions of dollars to try and strengthen enough to keep that roof up in an earthquake. So the top falls in on the water, contaminating it. So during the big one, City of Eugene basically loses its water supply. So they need a new reservoir. And they need a sizable reservoir. When you think about how much water people consume daily, you know, Hayden Bridge water treatment plant gets damaged or goes down because of the, you know, the earthquake, or we get it, you know, have a large fire upriver, maybe a landslide that, that you know, causes problems with, with sediment in the river to the point where we can't treat it. Hmm. Kind of happened in the 1996 February floods. We had to turn the plant off for a little while, didn't we? Um, yeah. And, oh, and there was a truck wreck upriver one time where we had to shut our plant down. So things like that, you need a reservoir to bridge those times when the plant shuts down. Now, mind you, total shutoff of water supply, that we're only talking about days of, of being able to store water because of how fast people actually use it up. So the idea of only building half of the facility they need is ridiculous. And the property owners and the quote environmentalists that are all getting up in arms about this are being completely blind to the fact that that property's always been planned to be a reservoir. It's been posted as such. And there's no way to get around the fact that, that College Hill has to be replaced. And you can't replace it, you know, take it out of service for, for very long and very for lengthy periods of time. It's difficult. We had to take it out of service in the wintertime when water usage is low. And even then, we're white-knuckling the whole idea of having it out of service. The Elliott reservoirs out there need to be built. And, you know, I, I just can't understand this idea of, you know, we have to save this little piece of forest in the middle of the South Hills. Hmm. Sounds like the whole homeless camp thing. We can do anything as long as it's north of West 11th. That's it. Well, 
you know, that, that just seems to be kind of a theme with Eugene. They banned fireworks in the South Hills. They're, they they don't, aren't planning any homeless camps down in the South Eugene area. And now we can't even build a reservoir in South Eugene because we want to leave that forest there for the neighbors to enjoy because they're rich and influential and college professors. Well, they'll be real rich and influential when they run out of water in the first big emergency. So that uh, uh, just, you know, gets back to infrastructure, which we've talked about on the Bose Nose Show. Our nation's infrastructure is badly in need of upgrade. This is one of those pieces of infrastructure that is, needs to be built, ought to be funded. But no, we're going to subsidize electric cars and stuff like that. Meanwhile, we're getting all sorts of warnings about the electric grid becoming so unstable because of our green energy mandates that they're telling people in California not to charge their cars. But I digress. And I'm about done. We're getting close to the end of another Bose Nose show. Rob, any final thoughts? I know you were trying to jump in on the minimum wage stuff, but I'll, I'll give you a, a final shot before we go off the air. <laughs> I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Yeah, yep, that's about it. Uh, it's crazy. We can't, we can't let people exercise their own individual rights. We have to enter into every consensual relationship they have with the force of government. We can't recognize the fact that infrastructure is necessary and needed, physical infrastructure, water, sewer, streets, storm drains. Well, I, I will leave you with some very wise words. Yes. You can't fix stupid. Yes, yes, yes. And the stupid seems to be running very high lately. Oh, well. Well, just remember, we're not doing door-to-door -door vaccines with the National Guard. Absolutely false rumor. Shot the hell done. Don't worry about that. But please, get educated. Think about talking to your doctor and friends about getting vaccinated. And we'll be back, not next week, because my producer's got an event that's interfering with the Bose Nose Show. We'll be back in two weeks with the Bose Nose Show, coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Have a great week, and thank you for listening.